When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Take the Black Live, the one, the only show on the internet where we talk about the things that matter. I'm talking about sci-fi shows, fantasy programs, books, a TV, music. And we are with our trio of hosts today. We got Dan Selke, myself, winterscoming.net, Dan Rowan of winterscoming.net, Richard, producer Richard off there in the ether, and then Scruffy the dog in the background. Say hi, Scruffy. Yes. Hey. Looking yeah. real cute. Nothing? Oh, he thought about it. Nothing. He's thinking about it. He is. He's. What he's a guy. Set. And thanks everybody who's watching. <laughs> hello everybody. Uh, hello Martha. Oh, hello Christian. Martha on the exercise bike. Very smart. Nice. I am sitting down. I didn't go in the office today. I did not. I usually ride my bike to the office. I'm a big bike rider, Martha. I don't know if you know that, but um, I, I didn't today because I'm lazy and it's raining, so I'm not getting exercise. And consequently, good reasons. My energy level will be low. Daniel, how are you? I I'm good. I am not a big bike rider, so my energy level is about average today. <laughs> Maybe it's a little low. I don't know. But no, I'm good. I'm excited to talk about some stuff. We've got a good show for you guys. Some interesting cover art, some show reviews, uh, a whole bunch of stuff we're going to get into. But Martha, totally support the bike riding while watching. That's just a good call. Do you think people who exercise are happier on average, Daniel? I mean, I would imagine so. (laughs) Do you exercise? I think so. I, I do. I especially this year, I have been making much more of an effort to and I, you know, I've felt pretty good about that. So I will say yes, I, I am sure there is a study somewhere. You know, that's why everyone was so happy at Castle Black, because that's all they do is exercise, except when they're oh, standing yeah, exercise. What do you bench? What do I are, are you actually asking? Is that what's happening? I don't know. Um, I don't know how much I bench either. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> the, the most I've benched recently is around 200. But it's, 200, I, think I haven't, that's a lot. That a I haven't lot? been pushing. It's a yeah, it's a decent amount, but I'm without a spotter. So I have to be careful about it. Oh, it's so dangerous. Because it. yeah, what if yeah. I don't know? What if it like falls and there's no one to lift off your neck? Whatever. That's a fear, fear I have. What are we talking about today, Daniel? <laughs> well, uh, apparently we're talking about gym days, uh, but also let's dive into our first topic which is that this week there was a whole bunch of internet hype you guys might have seen it on tiktok where people were losing it you might have seen it on twitter but this this artist Ertak altinos uh, is a turkish artist he is one of the official song of ice and fire artists who did a bunch of artwork for the rise of the dragon which was the big fire and blood coffee table book that came out last year 
and he did a mock-up for the winds of wind the winds of wind the winds of winter yeah, you just said cover. the winds of wind which is good which would be a good book yeah <laughs> he did a, a mock-up for the winds of wind cover and yeah you can see it right there that's his his artwork it's pretty beautiful it let's just nice. talk about it for a sec what do you think of this cover dan well, first of all, I just want to put it out there that this is not the actual artwork for the book. It was kind yes. of being spread around as it. This artist yes, who, again, yeah, worked on the uh, the Rise of the Dragon, which is the Fire and Blood illustrated edition. I mean, made it personally. It's lovely. It's not real. It's fake, but it is pretty. And I think it, um, you know, it just yeah. speaks to um, how so many folk. You know what? I am impressed that twelve years later, people still are um, anticipating this book that hype has died down but it's yeah. by no means died which is an impressive testament to the enduring interest we'll have in the series and that yes, even they'll agree. take very well done fan art as pictorial gospel yeah and i mean the fun thing with this is he he designed this fan art specifically to look like the covers that are already Smart. out Ooh, like he used know. pretty much the same typeface the same type of design of a you know, a thing in the middle of the cover and yeah. not really too much else on there. They're easy covers to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I presume by not being an artist, well, I, I mean, can't like, say that conceptually, for sure, I mean, like there's like a very, yes. you know, clear template, like objects, yes. words, bam. You don't like think of like a whole wild design or anything. Totally. It's not the same as like the covers for the Stormlight Archive that are these intricate paintings a guy does that they then make into a cover. But yeah, so this went around and like Dan said, it is not the real cover. If you've heard people saying it is, I'm sorry to burst your bubble because there were a whole lot of people thinking this meant this artist knew something we didn't. And he... He had to, he kind of, you know, trolled a little bit at first, but then he came out and said, this is fan art. And we got another one today. So mm -hmm. you may stop. not have seen this one, uh, but he also did one for a dream of spring today. And the this one, he again, he had book. to specify right up front because so many people are confused. This is fan art. Dan, what's the deal with this key? Because I was a little confused when I saw it at first. Yeah, thank God they explain it right in the tweets because I didn't know either. It's um the key totally. from A Feast for Crows that Pate, the novice maester in training, stole from a senile archmaester and turned over to a mysterious guy called the Alchemist in exchange for a gold coin. And then I think he dies at the end. And then the guy takes Pate's face because I think he's Jack and Hagar. Correct. We're a million miles yeah, from the, the show prologue. here. None of this was remotely in the, in the, in the show. But um, nope. the artist thinks it might be important not to put in the cover of Dream of Spring. Probably yeah. not. We have no idea. This is for fun. Yeah, this is just for fun. You know, will a Dream of Spring be purple? Who knows? Purple. But it's it's fun to to dream of, you know, <laughs> these covers. So I like seeing this. You don't really hear people talk about a Dream of Spring a whole lot. Probably because you? we don't have the winds of winter yet. Exactly. Yeah. What's the point? But it's We're nice... already hurting enough. Yeah. Who the hell is torturing themselves <laughs> talking about the as yet? I mean, good Lord. I, I don't want to think about that. We've been waiting for winds of winter for the past 12 years. We really want to add on the pressure of when we get Dream of Spring on top of that. We can worry about no, that. We don't need in to our do 50s that. or whatever. Like that's that's th right th this time is it's a warning about the winds of winter did you know well obviously you wouldn't have known but how does it feel at this point it feels like reading a song of ice and fire is a lifelong pursuit like i don't no, know when you got into waiting these books. for a song of ice and fire is a lifelong pursuit <laughs> um reading it isn't that what i said you said reading it you know if oh, oh. people are lucky enough 
to discover it after it's complete, it'll be like a year-long pursuit, and they'll be very happy. For people who are unfortunate to live in in these years, it is a lifelong pursuit to wait. I compare it to yes. um, the 7-Up series of documentary films by a guy whose name I don't remember, where the guy visits... Okay. Have you ever heard of this documentary series? Where he I have go, not. He, he is it about the soda? It, it, no, it's not. Uh, like a group of, a oh, group of okay. seven-year-olds, when they were seven years old, in like the 50s or something, he documented them. And like, here's who they are. And then every seven years after that, through, through their 60s, he revisited oh. with them and just checked in on all of them and see how they are. That's a lifelong pursuit. This I is just see. taking forever. <laughs> I suppose it's all in how you look at it. Mm-hmm. So Christian, Christian had a cool question I want to hit on here. He said, is that a dragon head in the reflection of the arrowhead in the Winds of Winter cover art? So there are two things in that cover art uh, on the arrowhead. At the bottom, under the N and the T, there's a Targaryen sigil. The reflection is actually Work. supposed to be a wolf, is what the artist said. Oh, um, wow. So getting a little bit of that Stark and that Targaryen energy there in the Winds of Winter cover. Good question. The 2014 Richard Linklater film Boyhood was filmed over the course of like 20 years. That was a lifelong pursuit. And it was lame because it ended up being a really lame movie. What's happened, George R. R. Martin? Okay. That's just taking a long time. Hey, this is the masterpiece of his of his writing life. He can take Where the he time like he wants. He filmed an actor when they were young and then he filmed more scenes when they were teenagers and then when they're young adults, like at the whole span of a life. And the movie was really boring and bad, but it was hardcore making. Yeah. Yes. True. The George R. Martin thing. He can but make yeah, it so he can. I'm glad he's taking his time. I'm sure it's I'm one of those people. I will wait. I think Martin. I know. I know. I know. It's I'm funny. I, I went down the rabbit hole with Rothfuss actually yesterday. Um, really? I Did saw you? a video. Find anything? Maybe. Maybe we can talk about it after. But basically, so Rothfuss is in this weird position where he promised fans he would release a chapter from the doors oh, of stone right. like over a year ago and he but used it as a stretch goal for his charity and now it's been a year and he hasn't released the chapter and a lot of people are really upset because you know you said it was for charity and people donated like over a million dollars for that Ooh, that is a juicy so, story oh, and he's gone radio silence since then um so it's yeah as much as people like to rag on george r. r martin the guy at least he communicates well enough that it's like we know he's working on it we know he's not done yet at least you know there, there's nothing untoward going on there yeah i i i've always compared those two two authors who wrote it's a very well comparison. regarded book in 2011 and having and a promise that another book and haven't gotten it out for the last 12 years where yeah it, it always has seen that george r. r martin is just that's his process is just that damn slow whereas roth is i don't know what's going on i don't like it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fair. I do. I feel bad for the King Killer fans, honestly. I know, um, I know, I know. Uh, just, just a smidge. But yeah, so Kvothe that's got knocked right off the Madness tournament. Well, it's reflective of Kvothe's place in pop culture at the moment, in my opinion, at least somewhat. Because what place? He's not getting on next year. Unless the book comes out, he's not getting on next year. Nah, we need Kaladin Stormblessed from the Stormlight Archive on there next year because that. <laughs> you got to educate us, Daniel. I think that's right. The, the fifth of those books, I believe, is coming out next year. And that dude, you know, Brandon Sanderson will finish it. Um, Ooh, um, but yeah, so I, that's cool. Yeah. 
Go on. No. What, what were you going to say? I got the three body problem in the mail. Uh, the 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 book. So I'm going to start reading that shortly. Cool. I'm, I'm very excited about that. Big enough. I'm so too. intrigued. I'm so intrigued to hear what you think of that series. I imagine we'll both end up probably reading at least some of it before the show comes out later this year. Because I want to know what the deal is. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Daniel, what shows are out now that we could talk about? Yeah, so uh, I saw... Uh, it's gone in the chat now. Someone mentioned they liked Carnival Row more than Shadow and Bone. That's I haven't true. watched Carnival Row, but that did finish up its run in the last week or two. Mm-hmm. Kevin Thompson. Thank you, Richard. They burned it off. Yeah. So Carnival Row that Amazon is now done with. But Shadow and Bone season two also came out last week. I binged it over the weekend. Um, And man, I I did not. I was distraught. Like not really distraught because I only care so much about Shadow and Bone. So it's not. Like the Witcher, sure. where I'm, yeah, 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 you know, I, I got gotcha. Going outside in the night and shaking my fists at the full moon, and how did we get here? But I, I was shocked. The Shadow and Bone surprised me more than what has been happening with the Witcher, because the first season of Shadow and Bone was great, in my opinion. Like whether you liked it or not, mm-hmm. I think how they adapted the story. It, it's one of the really rare examples where it's better than the books. Season one of Shadow and Bone. And season two went off the rails real hard. Um, have you watched any of this, Dan? Are you planning on it? Uh, no and no. I, I I watched the first season, Shadow and Bone. <laughs> Fair. Which just, this series is based on a series of books, Shadow and Bone books by Leigh Bardugo. Kind of a Russian set, hot, like like a like a high Correct. fantasy world yeah. modeled after czarist Russia. Yep. I watched the first season and I thought it was nice. It's a little too YA for me, I think. Just totally the, fair. There's only so many stories about earnest teenagers saving the world I can take. So I abstained. <laughs> um, but I watched the first season and I liked it. I did like it. I thought I thought it was well yeah. put together. I really did. And I'm sorry to hear that the second season was, in your words, uh, as as you told me, a rotting oh, raccoon carcass on the side of the roads, entrails being torn out by vultures, stinking wow. up the entire Tri County area. Okay, a just uh, 
abomination of an adaptation that could single-handedly sink Netflix as a company. (laughs) Remember saying this? Yeah. That, sure. Yeah, that's called definitely me what I said. Yeah. I, I did. Yeah. 3 a.m. your time. I stayed up an extra hour just to call you at a less convenient time about it. And you did not <laughs> sound no, drunk. I you mean, were stone cold sober when you did it. Like you called me up. That's right. You're like, Daniel, it's on my mind. I'm clear headed. You signed a waiver and you just let <laughs> me have it. That's right. No, but what? <laughs> so what I would say with Shadow and Bone is. It's it's not that this show has no redeeming qualities. I don't think it was, as you said, a total heaping pile of garbage. All that stuff. But yeah. I think it it really, really, really dropped the ball in terms of how it portrayed the story. And mm-hmm. I a big part of me wonders if the reason that happened is because Netflix wanted to blow it out into a cinematic universe. Because yes. since Shadow and Bone season two has come out, we've learned that. Netflix is developing a spinoff for the Crows characters in the story. Six of Crows is going to be its own spinoff. It's going to run concurrently to season three and hopefully season four if the show goes on. And basically, I don't think that was always the plan because this show was originally pitched as a three book, as a three season thing. The first season did basically the the first book of Shadow and Bone. And it made up a bunch of stuff for the Crows characters to Mm -hmm. tie them into it. The Crows characters are from a different series. Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom are their books. They're like kind of like the shady, thieving underworld earnest teenagers, whereas Alina and the Shadow and Bone crew are the more the bright and cheery earnest teenagers who are going to save the world. Yeah, well, the... Alina's so her books are a trilogy and that trilogy is very much a YA chosen one romantic fantasy series. Lee Bardugo wanted to do something different after that. So the crows, it's basically like Game of Thrones meets Ocean's Eleven. That's kind of yeah, like the 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 easy pitch for Six of Crows because they're heist novels and it's there are six of them. They're they're a gang of thieves, each with a different skill set, basically. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great. I'm actually reading Six of Crows right now. It's an it's an awesome book. So it going back to the show. The season one ended basically setting up the crows to be more or less where they were leading into Six of Crows. There's some timeline stuff like there's a drug in Six of Crows that affects Grisha, which are the magic users in this series. It gives them extra powers. So the question of how that would fit into Alina's story was always a big one because the books that it's after and there's this feeling that if it had come out before, like, why wouldn't the Darkling want that? He probably would have. So it was always a question of how they were going to handle it. But the way that the show decided to handle it was they crammed two books for Alina, Siege and Storm and Ruin and Rising, into this one season and basically cut out all of the things that made her story unique. Because Mm -hmm. you're kind of right, Dan. It is kind of a typical YA fantasy story, like the original Shadow and Bone trilogy, (laughs) in your words trilogy did okay but it's really six of crows that like launched lee bardugo into the stratosphere because it was just a huge leap forward for for the series do do you have a question i do i'm trying to be polite like uh, (laughs) was the six of crows book like more popular than shadow and bone series so that was like it sold Hands better. Down. Interesting. Yeah. And I actually know this for a fact because I was working in a Barnes and Noble when oh, Six of Crows right. and Crooked Kingdom came out. So yes is the answer to that. That is the series that basically took her from being a 
successful fantasy author to like a superstar in her genre was six of crows because it it just is a better book like hands down and that's what got this series made essentially was the the showrunner for this series was reading six of crows he tweeted at lee bardugo about it and then when netflix wanted to do the series she was like hey this guy likes my book six of crows maybe we can get him so that explains then right why netflix would mash the two shatter and bone books together and burn through it quick because they want to get to the stuff that people actually want to see which is six of crows i'm assuming but i guess the problem would be okay yeah i understand why you did that to get to the popular stuff but if you already committed to telling this story, you're telling it badly. And Eve, it, it's it, it's 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 no excuse yeah. to rush through something to get to the part you really want to get to when you set that stuff up and you have a responsibility to follow through with it and do it well. And here you've just kind yeah. of blasted through it. That's basically my feeling on it. Um, I, I think it's very obvious to me that that is what they wanted to do because obviously the fans love the crows. Like even mm-hmm. in these first seasons, like most people really talk about how much they love the crows more than they're like, you know, ah, Lena, I relate so much to being, you know, swept into a fantasy Russian court of a fun scheming magic users. Yeah. So most people seem to like the crows more. And basically Netflix came back and said, you know, our data shows, which uh, you pointed this out, that's a red flag right there. Our data shows that people want more of the crows crossing over with Alina. So basically this season invented another made up storyline for the crows that I don't think worked anywhere near as well as the first season. And it cut basically everything (laughs) that made Alina's story unique out of the books. And again, not like I, it's so funny to me because like, I know I can be kind of a, this is the way it was in the book game, whatever purist a little bit at times, Sure, but uh, like there are re- there are great reasons to make changes and adaptations, uh, like sure. of course. But the Shadow and Bone, the original trilogy, I didn't love it. it mm. I, I thought it was pretty decent, but it's not like I'm super attached to those books. But the f- the few things that really really set it apart are all things that fell by the wayside. So the easy example that I keep falling back to is there's reference to a thing called the Firebird in this series which is basically a mythical bird exactly it's just like you just did and alina needs to go searching for it she wants part of its bones to make a thing to amplify her power but when in the book she finds this bird it's a real bird Mm -hmm. that she finds and then she realizes the bird isn't what she needed to find all along it's this it's a person who she's connected to who would actually serve as the amplifier all right the the show instead of that she just people kind of just realize there's no bird they never find a bird instead (laughs) the person who she is traveling with is like i'm the bird and it's like all right yeah it's kind of it's filled with those sorts of weird choices there's a whole storyline where she is essentially a saint and part of the reason she's a saint is because of propaganda from a rasputin type figure apparat and that all falls by the yeah, it it is easily one of the most fascinating parts of this trilogy about Alina. And instead, the show just totally glossed over it. Um, so there mm. are a, a lot of ways that I don't think it did very well by Alina's story in particular. And ben Barnes, too, actually, because the Darkling is way more threatening in, in the books than he is in the television series. 
So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Do you have any questions about this? Because my my take is exactly what you said. They really wanted to get to Six of Crows. They crammed as m- everything they needed to cram into this season, maybe because they didn't think they would get renewed for a third season if they didn't, uh, or they didn't think they could have the Crows tread water for yet another season or what. however you want to slice it. The overwhelming feeling I have is they did rush through. I mean, I don't really have questions because I'm not terribly invested, but I'm sorry. They seem, I mean, it sounds like something a studio. No, I guess it sounds kind of unique. Like, I want to blame it on Cinematic Universitis, where everyone wants to yeah. jump to, you know, the Witcher Cinematic Universe from what, one shit or two shows to, to like three shows to a movie. Rain yeah. Man Cinematic Universe, the totally. Monsterverse, all that stuff. It, it's this easy sound to make a that little, comparison. Um, I mean... This sounds a little different. It sounds like the guys do really love, but just not the books they're adapting. Yeah. Which is also a problem. Like, it, it's yes. clear to me that, um, again, like, Game of Thrones proved that you can have multiple stories going on at the same show and just kind of have it. Like, you know, Arya's and Bravos and Sansa's and Winterfell and Sorcerer's and King's Landing and Daenerys. And yeah. They're, they're all different. Totally. So just why not have Alina doing her thing and then the crows going on an ice court heist, whatever they do in their book? And they can meet up eventually yeah. when they get to like the next series, like eventually. But um, I but Netflix data. Sh- and look, data is important. You need data. Data is nice. Numbers, letters, sure. all that good stuff. But I don't know. You can't if it if 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 what the data if the data shows that what you should do is ruin the story. It, yeah. you, you shouldn't listen to it all the time. Like the, 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 there's time for human input and it should have been then yeah i think you know obviously we're not behind the data to see this type of stuff but i i'm of the opinion that data can be great for you know making choices about like say what story to tell in the first place you know you have a popular series you see that sure make more of it um but i think when when you're letting the data lead your creative process like people like these characters together that's the data. Let me and so jam know, in make that happen. More. That because the the thing that that makes me wonder about is how can how much conviction did you have in the first place? Yeah, if that's what's going to change your mind about where characters are. You know, like you use Game of Thrones for an example. People love crossovers on Game of Thrones. That's those are always yeah, highlights true. when different characters meet. But if David Benioff and Dan Weiss had said, you know, it'd be great if Cersei and Danny accidentally met each other in a cafe in, <laughs> I don't know, Lease, uh, because they both happen to be there because that's what the people want. It would have been awful. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I, I do think that you're very right about them wanting to get to the stories they wanted to tell and basically kneecapping this season for the sake of that. Um, and it is tricky because I do think a cinematic universe for the Grishaverse, which is what Lee Bardugo's book universe is called. I think it's justified. This is not a Witcher situation where I'm like, why are you guys thinking of spinoffs? Like I get, I think this, a six of crows spinoff is a good idea in my opinion. Um, they've said that that is already written. It's coming. They really hope they get to make it. Well, it's not greenlit yet. It depends on how well season two does. Um, But that is something they've said. The showrunner, Eric Heiserer, has said is probably the most book accurate thing they've done so far. Or it's the closest to a one-to-one adaptation. 
Um, And part of that is just that the book is so much better. This is, this is what he said. The, this is the best writing we have from the author. Um, And therefore we've translated it easily, you know, the closest for the screen. I'm sorry. It's turned out a little awkward. Oh, hell. Wait, I was trying to look up if uh, it's uh, never mind. It is number one yeah. on on Netflix right now, so that's nice. God, I hate Netflix and they play things without you just touching it. <laughs> so maybe it is yeah. going to be a bit of success, but we'll see. See if their gamble yeah, pays it's off. A, it's a tricky thing because on the one hand, I'm like, oh man, they really botched a lot of stuff about this season. On the other, I don't really want this to get canceled because I want them yeah. to have a chance to to do better. Because the first season was good. The second season had some very obvious growing pains. But mm-hmm. if the reason for that was because they wanted to get to the stuff that would be better, like, I do hope they get the chance to at least try it. And I know Netflix has a tendency to pull the plug on stuff. So I'm really disappointed in this season of Shadow and Bone, but I also do want it to get renewed. That's that's my um. Opinion. We'll, I'll cross one finger uh, for you, but not two, because it seems like you're <laughs> two minds about it. Um, I hope yeah. it, and I'm sorry it didn't live up to your expectations, Daniel. I mean, that's, it is what it is. Like I said, I wasn't too heartbroken because this is not a series, you know, it's not like a House of the Dragon or something where I would have been really upset if it was awful. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it does make me nervous just for the future of the show and i hope they find their footing in season three and beyond if they get that opportunity we'll see in two to three years any other thoughts about yeah. shadow and bone from any of you oh uh christian says that it's my fault um i think he probably meant um about the drop off and signal but i prefer to think that he means yes. his fault shadow Bone season two wasn't good <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. I mean, and Nicole, so Nicole says, I liked it, but didn't read the book. So I had nothing to compare it to. And honestly, Nicole, yeah, that is the ideal place to come from, in my opinion, for this season, especially. I really don't think this season is geared toward the book readers like at all. Like most of the people I've seen really upset are people who liked one or other of the book series. Um so good good for you nicole that's definitely the you are in the optimal the target demographic space for shadow and bone season two yeah dan is Um, daniel over here if if an author changes a single word he has been known to set his domicile alight i'm kidding you're not doing that I'm putting a lot of words in your mouth today. Yes, with all the books I all the books I have in it, I set a light as well in the domicile. Clearly, you know, you know, um, it makes good Kindle no, books. I I am for the record. I I think changes and adaptations are oh, totally fine. It's just about staying true to the spirit of the thing, and I don't think Shadow and Bone season two did that. Um, I think it really it also changed the ending of alina's trilogy in some major ways that i think really betray the spirit of the books and that for me is the line to where that you don't cross make changes like the expanse is a great example they made tons of changes and it mm -hmm. was awesome because it well part of it was because the writers of the expanse books were in the writing room so they had a say in how that happened but they also like the changes still felt true to the story true to the characters and 
And that is a huge difference from changing things wholesale and then having it mean the opposite of what it meant in the book, for example. At the end of the day, is the we case don't with- really care about, like, is it adapted word for word? If it's good, people are going to like it no matter what. I, 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 of course. I, I, I really do believe that. So, like, adapting it yeah. word for word isn't some kind of magic bullet. You just have to write a good story. Totally. And you can yeah. do that if you adapt it one for one, or if you can do it if you if you go on your own, if you go out on your own. Um, Absolutely. I mean, it it, um, it it does seem like when think people change things greatly, it can mess things up. But uh, there's no reason it has to. There are examples. I talked about the whole filmography thing before. Yeah. So I'm, uh, so I'm, yeah. I'm not going to rehash that. <laughs> well, um, I think you're totally right. If it's still good, it's still good. And I think there are ways that that like just this season, they kind of like broke their own internal consistency a few times too. Like Alina and the Darkling have this mental link that he basically can like invade her dreams. And it's because of a very specific physical object that connects the two of them. At one point late in the season, they sever that connection at great cost. Uh, Someone dies to do this thing. And then in like the next scene, the Darkling invades the dreams of a totally different character. And it's never really explained why that is possible. And it doesn't make any sense um, by the show's own logic. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think if my favorite example of an adaptation that was changed tremendously that still works, that's hugely popular is Jurassic Park. Um that is oh. totally different You're than the Jurassic Park, Park book. It, it's a complete, like, events-wise, some of the characters, totally different story, but it's fantastic, and we all love it, and it's, mm. a, it's a huge hit. And, like, that's because the movie's just great. So, yeah. The Shining's a good one. There, um, yeah. Illustrated by the way that uh, Stanley Kubrick changed The Shining a lot, and Stephen King hated what he did. But at the end of the day, yeah. the movie has lasted for fifty for fifty years or forty years, I guess. Yeah. And um, people know it better than the book they ever did. So yeah. you can definitely change yeah. things and have them last. And then Stephen Absolutely. King made and a book accurate version movie later, and everyone hated it. Bomb. So it's possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Stephen uh, Webber. Yeah, that's a that's a great example. Um, that's a great example. So yeah qualms uh but i hope it gets a chance to to grow back into its strength we'll say crossing your um, fingers and julie is watching uh carnival row do you enjoy it julie because oh, nice i heard some mixed things like our viewer uh richard preston didn't like the ending but apparently yeah. it's gotten some good marks elsewhere um odd little show never really broke out but i'm glad i got a chance to wrap up um yeah it, it had a rough run carnival row because of yeah, the second season was filming during the pandemic and then there were delays and delays and then yeah it wasn't planned to be the end of the show i think when they filmed it so anyway what's happening in the wide world of sports daniel well um in the wide world of sports played by people with swords and monstrous powers uh wow. round 3 of our fandom madness is approaching so uh what exactly is this fandom madness, Dan? Uh, round two just finished. Madness? It did just today. Um, 
Every year, we pit 64 characters from sci-fi, fantasy, books, movies, TV against each other in a March Madness-style tournament where 64 characters yes. enter, go through a round of matchups, only one right on top. We just finished round three. Everybody from Game round of two. Thrones is gone. I'm surprised. Like, they knocked out Daemon Targaryen, Rhaenyra yeah. Targaryen, Daenerys, Jon Snow. The Wheel of Time folk are all gone. Um, but so we'll put up these new matchups tomorrow. I yeah, some of my favorites are gone. I'll, I'll admit it. I'm not sure who I'm going to root for now. Although Dream, yeah, I was really rooting for Cocaine there. Oh, I was too. Oh, I kind of wanted him to be in the finals. <laughs> I yeah. was thinking like Cocaine so, Bear versus Damon or Lestat would have been fun for me. But uh, no. <laughs> Shout out to the Good Omens Phantom and the interview with the Vampire yeah. Phantom for really repping hard uh, their people. Aziraphale and Crowley on the yeah. one hand and Lestat on the other. Uh, they're really up there in the Twitter. We run these polls on the winterscoming.net Twitter. You can vote for all of them. The new things will be up tomorrow. But yeah, fun little poll. It's yes. a fun little thing. Yeah, Man, it's, it's always a good time. It's oh, uh, So the matchups we have left. So there's Joel, Ver- Joel from The Last of Us versus Harley Quinn. That's cute. Geralt of Rivia versus Cassian Andor. Uh-huh. Evelyn Wang from Everywhere, Everything, Everywhere, Everywhere all, all at once. once versus Lestat Spider-Man versus Darth Vader Jamie Fraser versus Dream uh, I'm hoping for Dream just because Jamie Fraser beat Cocaine Bear I hope he gets his comeuppance uh, Batman versus Prince Zuko Galadriel versus the Mandalorian and Grogu and Aziraphale and Crowley versus Dark Horse candidates I'm going to root yeah, I'm gonna root for the good omens peeps because you're right. I I've been pleasantly surprised by how hard the good omens fans have been repping their boys Zero Fail and Crowley. I might be saying that wrong. Sorry, don't come for me, good omens fans. Um, but yeah, he, they're probably the ones I'm rooting for most. Them and Joel at this point. How, how about Gandalf you, Dan? Crushes them. Um, I'm tired Ooh. of Zero Fail and Crowley being in the front. The nah, shame. Nah, nah, nah. They got rid of Daenerys. Oh, oh that ain't shade. That's just pure hatred. Um, that 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 that's. I'm I'm, I'm being very upfront. Um, nah, I'm I ready see. for that. I don't think they will though. It is cool that people are are really pushing it. I like that. I was rooting for yeah. Damon Targaryen. I was rooting for Cocaine Bear. Well, the stats fun to have in there. But uh, yeah, fun times. It's always yeah. unpredictable. I think Daenerys was the 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 winner of the last time we did. So it'll fun to have a new winner. And before that, it was like Moiraine from. The Wheel of Time won one year now, she, and she was out in the first round. Uh, so I think yeah. John Snow won. So it's cool to have um, of uh, definitely a new winner. I wonder who it'll be. Only you can determine it. You mean you, Daniel, and also you watching. <laughs> yes, and yeah, Martha. If you want to stick up for Jamie, feel free to go vote at the at Wicknet Twitter when these go up. Uh, I assume later today or tomorrow. 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 Um, tomorrow. Wednesday the twenty third on the Wicknet Twitter. Yeah. There'll be a post about it too. But yeah, fun times. Yeah. So that's what's up in fandom madness. Um, shall we, but what are you watching, Dan? Shall we dive right into discussing our latest television joys? Yeah. And what are you watching out there? Um, not much has changed. I'm watching the Ted Lasso now. That's cute. Uh, the Mandalorian. Oh, I got how this, is it? I, it's nice. It's, 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 yeah, it's good. It's 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 the final cool. season, which is great. 
um because they're gonna go out on a high note it was funny it's always like have you ever watched that show sweetly funny is the way that is the way that yeah. sitcom is i love the first two Just seasons pleasantly funny charming kind of um easy listening sitcom where uh just kind of put a smile on your face it's not gonna it's not gonna make you gut bust but you're gonna like kind of it's kind of uh buzz throughout the whole thing i like that show show's great yeah uh for all mankind i I got the succession screeners but might but i'm gonna watch those tonight maybe we're gonna start another those tonight so that'll be great too and john wick four this friday I'm i'm looking forward to that Oh yeah, it does come out this weekend. Ooh, I'm excited for right. John Wick Four too. Um, the you know those movies are never anything less than a good time. Oh, um, so good. Again, I discovered so them good. not that long ago. Holy crap, they're good. Yeah, I can't wait. And now yeah. it's the first one I'm gonna see in the in in the theater. I'm I'm quite excited. Cool. Yeah, yeah I, pretty much the same for me. I think I discovered them maybe like it two years ago. Um, mm-hmm. So I haven't seen one in theaters either, but I will be seeing this one. So pretty excited about that. Have you, um, you watched anything? Christian's watching uh, Quantum Leap. I think it's on sci-fi. Oh, nice. And it's getting better, which I'm glad. That show has been humming That's... along nicely, I hear. Yeah, I'm really happy for the Quantum Leap fans that the show is doing pretty well. Um, I've been curious about that, but I haven't gotten into it yet. Uh, so the main one, I obviously Shadow and Bone was the thing I probably spent the most time watching in the past week. Um, but I also started just switching things up a little bit. History of the World Part Two, which is Ooh, how is that? is that fun? On Hulu, it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. I laughed a I've lot. I've seen two episodes, um, and yeah, it's pretty hilarious. He's got like a great cast of comedians for all these sketches. Um, He's definitely it's it's funny. I feel like Mel Brooks has been doing things that now might be deemed politically incorrect, but he's been doing them since mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the for 70s. decades. So he just you know, he's Mel Brooks. We all know what we are getting when you start a Mel mm-hmm. Brooks thing. Um, so it's been great. Uh I'll check that out. I, I want to check that out. I think you'd probably enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. I like the original. Uh, I love Mel Brooks. Yeah. Okay, cool. If you like the original, I'm sure you'll like this. Do you one have a too. favorite Mel Brooks movie? Uh, just out of curiosity. Um not that I can think of off the top of my head. I think Young Frankenstein is probably one I've seen the most, but I don't know that that's it's the my best, favorite. I think. I, yeah. I'm actually I'm I think in the exact same way. I think Young Frankenstein's the best now that I'm older. I think my childhood yeah. favorite is it's I watched Spaceballs way too many times when I was a kid. I, I can't dislodge it from my head. It's impossible. It's it's, yeah. it's 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 an irrational, like personal favorite. But I think you're going to the best one. And Blazing yeah. Saddles, of course, I, I quote to people a lot. It's how much fun. So tie, yeah, tie that's, the that's a good one. Mm-hmm. I think Robin Hood Men in Tights is probably oh, another great my one. favorite. That's probably the one I've seen the most is Robin Hood men in tights. Um, but Bagel is- yeah. So aside from <laughs> nice, um, aside from the, the Mel Brooks, I've also been watching the Mandalorian. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And I gotta say it's great. Uh, I really liked the latest episode and I think this season in general, I was like, 
really not excited about it. I watched the premiere and I was kind of like, eh. Um, now that I'm a few episodes in, I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, I love that Katie Sackoff has more of a mm-hmm. uh, like lead Mid-hero. role this season. Bo-Katan. Yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. I am a big Katie Sackoff stan since Battlestar Galactica. So it's nice to see her kind of at the forefront of the show with Pedro. Um, but yeah, I, I'm liking it a lot. I think they've gotten better at the puppeting because there have been some really, really mm. great Grogu scenes in this season. Um, my favorite, I think, is him running out of the mines in the second episode. It's like a chase <laughs> scene with Grogu. Um, so yeah, I the Mandalorian... I still I wonder what they're doing with the New Republic stuff. I didn't love that as much as I thought I would, um, but generally I'm enjoying it. Um, what? How are you feeling? I feel about like it so the Clone far? Wars and like those animated shows that Dave Filoni also did, like did that kind of thing too, where they would take breaks to do looking at like other things. I think it's like a thing he likes to do. Um, oh sure. I like. I mean, I know that it got a bunch of start in 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 people's eyes. I thought it was solid. I'm still ticked at it for spreading itself out among different shows. I think it was a stupid decision. Yeah. Um. But I'm liking it. I think it's good. I I want it to have a narrative train that it gets on and then chugs off with and pulls into the final station. And I know it's probably not going to do that. I know that they're probably going to stretch this thing out as long as it can go. And I don't like that. I feel like this season they've been doing a lot of backstory setup context stuff, which tells me, I mean, in terms of the, you know, the flashback in this one and the New Republic uh, Coruscant stuff in the last one that tells me they're not concerned about getting to like whatever the conclusion of this story is anytime soon. Um, which I don't like that. Yeah. But I think the episodes themselves are well done. And I think, I still think this has everything it needs to be a great show. Um, I just don't like the fact that they're going to kind of take their, I'd like a bit more propulsion in the narrative, I guess. Kind of. Yeah. Next area. I think that's really fair. Um, I think it's kind of an interesting position that the Mandalorian is in because when the first season came out, in my opinion, part of what made it resonate so much with people was that it was very different from any Star Wars we had seen. It was, it was very, it was smaller scope, self-contained. Mm-hmm. There was Exotic. a very clear oh, so through different. line of what was going on in the season. Like the season was just about this Mandalorian trying to protect this cute little baby puppet. Um, and And that was it. And I think now we're into ambitions about who will rule the planet of Mandalore. We're into how the new Republic is really ineffective, which I will say that has always bothered me. I mainly because I think George Lucas's saga, he, he spent a lot more time with like why the old Republic fell apart and doing that Mm -hmm. in a, in an interesting way that it feels like, to get all the way to the end of Return of the Jedi, where now the empires are overthrown, and then to just be like, oh, well, the new government was also very ineffectual. Um, I I can understand the idea of that thematically. Like, you know, governments 
being ineffectual. Hey, that can happen, um, man. It 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 can, but the from a storytelling element, I don't think they've really earned it. Um, is kind of my feeling. I and think I they're think trying. They're to. trying to a little bit. Yes, I. I like, that's the you. goal. I think that's, it, it, it's the kind of starting yeah. to coalesce. I don't know. You know, like um, Germany had yeah. the the um, the Kaiser's expansionist government in World War One, and then they had a new government, but it didn't go well, and they had World War Two. So you know, new governments can suck and also collapse. Well, and um, yeah, uh, of course. I'm not casualty. saying there's not not a precedence for it or it doesn't sure. make sense, but I think what you're saying. You know, your example of of mm -hmm. Germany and specifically Nazi Germany, like that's what George Lucas did in his movies. So mm. they're basically doing the same thing, except in oh, a yeah. slightly different way. And part of my issue with the way they're handling it now is they're basically trying to retcon why the, it because the movies didn't explain it well, right? They're no, they did trilogy. not. <laughs> so <laughs> now they're like, well, maybe we can make it make more sense, and it it works. I'm just not a hundred percent on board with it yet. I guess is what I'm saying. But I agree. The show um, as a whole, the sequels really did solid. sort of throw a lot of monkey wrenches into everything. It, we all would have been better off had they been um, <laughs> a little differently conceived. That that train's long since left the station. Yeah. yeah, I think the shows are trying to do basically what the movies probably should have, um, sure. just in terms of like. You know, they're now bringing in Thrawn for Ahsoka. And Thrawn is like an iconic Star Wars villain from the books. I haven't he's read blue. them, but everybody, every, he's blue. Everybody who he's knows any Star Wars books, the not, yeah, he is one of the evil Navi. Anyone mm -hmm. who knows the Star Wars books usually talks about how Thrawn is like one of the best villains that's ever been made for Star Wars. And he's a good example of doing something similar without just retreading the same exact ground that mm -hmm. was already covered in the, the Lucas movies. Um, and I think there are other examples of that in the various star Wars books. So it, it just feels like they didn't stretch in any sort of new direction, but at this point I'll just rant about it for a while. So suffice it to say season three of the Mandalorian is pretty good. It's earning back some goodwill with me after the book of Boba Fett. You know what I wanted? In the first season, what? I wanted them to go off and I wanted a show about finding the damn planet of the Yodas. And I didn't get anything like that. And I'm still a little bit sad about it. I mean, it's kind of I do wonder how that's never been a conversation topic that I can recall. Maybe I'm just forgetting and it was addressed like, know. are there more of these little Yodas? Um, there, there's a couple. Be well, there are, and in the prequel movies, there were, there was Yaddle. Yaddle. <laughs> there, there was a female Yoda. Yaddle. Yes, Yaddle was was a character in the prequel movies, um, mm -hmm. who I think made a reappearance in Tales of the Jedi, maybe recently, voiced oh, by Bryce yeah, Dallas sure, Howard. Yeah. Um, really? okay. So yeah, so uh, there's room. That's the thing. That's the thing about this that gets me occasionally. There's a lot of room to explore. So anytime it feels like they're retreading ground, it's like you have so many options. Why are we retreading ground? Um, but yeah, anyway, the Mandalorian anyway, is yeah. definitely worth checking out. I, I have been enjoying this season a lot. 
I'll watch. I'm also watching Perry Mason, by the way, which is quite uh, well done, well made, moody, noirish, fun, good times there too. All right, high yeah. anxiety is a good one here, right, Christian? Should we go on to the lightning round? Yeah. Um. Do you you want to ask me first? You want me to ask you first? We can go either way. Well, you. <laughs> Why don't you ask says... me first? <laughs> All right. Uh, I mean, you wrote them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you are half right, Aaron. Okay. Um. Let's see. Where is? Okay. <clears throat> Put twenty seconds on the clock for the Wick News Lightning Round. Oh, this one's sad. Um, Daniel Lance Reddick has died. Yes, he was sixty-two, and John Wick Four will be dedicated to Lance Reddick. Um, great actor. Your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, amazing actor. I was shocked and really saddened by this. Um. You know, he's kind of a singular talent. There's nobody else out there quite like Lance Reddick. I first saw him in Lost, but I've seen him in tons of other stuff since then and always loved watching him. Uh, probably best known for The Wire, but yeah, John Wick 4 is dedicated to him and he'll be greatly missed. Okay, so the next story, uh, this is this is a happier one, I guess, depending on your perspective on it. So Everything Everywhere, All at Once director slash screenwriting duo, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, uh, collectively known as the Daniels, they are Cute. going to direct on the upcoming Star Wars series Skeleton Crew. What is that, Dan? Should we be excited? I mean, it's it's another Star Wars show. I mean, my honest reaction to this is it sounds like selling out. But I also heard like th- they were talking about like we did it for the healthcare, which I can believe like it's just. I'm sure they'll do a good job. Yeah. I love that movie. It's just sad that like really creative, talented folk kind of their goal is to make a franchise thing because that's what's going to get them like financial security rather than like this really Healthcare. cool original idea. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so definitely something to be said <laughs> for the U.S. film industry and that. Regard. A lot to unpack there. Um, should be fine. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Daniel, another big corporate move. Uh, veteran Marvel executive Victoria Alonso, who has been like the president of special effects for Marvel Studios since before Iron Man, yeah. has left the company. Yeah, this is a huge, huge deal. Um, like you said, Victoria Alonso was a producer on every film and I believe show in the MCU, um, became an executive producer for Avengers, has been instrumental in the entire franchise and she left the company last week after 17 years we don't know why could be she just wanted to retire but we're definitely going to keep an eye on that story but speaking of marvel uh they are Mm -hmm. reportedly gearing up to start filming a mephisto disney plus special with sasha baron cohen so what i think i actually heard was that there's a special inside agatha coven of chaos or whatever it's called about Ooh, Mephisto. That's cool. I don't know if it's like an episode or if he's like a TV show within the show. Something's <laughs> up. Sasha Baron Cohen is going to be Mephisto in, I think, Agatha Coven of Darkness, and it'll be it'll be fun. Um, cute. Why that's not? Cool. He's always good. He's like the best part of a lot of movies I've noticed, which is, is. weird. Like Sweeney Todd, Les Mis. Just saying. Okay, that's funny. That was good. I was gonna say he's. You're thinking of Sweeney Todd. Yeah, that's mm, yes, that's true. Is. You never get a bad time with Sasha Baron Cohen. I mean, the movies he was in, like, they, 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 they both kind of suck. But here's the best thing about them. Okay. 
Um, Daniel, Ben Affleck confirms that he won't direct anything in James Gunn's new DC Cinematic Universe. The former Batman is hanging up his bat things for good. Yeah, so this was this was interesting because a while back, James Gunn said he'd love to get Ben Affleck to direct. They had a meeting with him. It was just a matter of getting the right project. And Ben Affleck recently was basically just like, look, I have zero interest in going back to DC. I wish them all the best. Justice League was b- the worst experience I've ever had on a movie. <laughs> so I'm not just doing period. it. Yeah. Yeah, just period. He talks about how it derailed his life for a while, the the Justice League <laughs> stuff. So I don't blame him one bit. But this is this is an interesting one that I, I won't lie. This made me feel a little bit like what you said about the Daniels. I got a similar pang when I read this story, which is that Netflix hired the the screenwriter who co-wrote Dune and Doctor Strange, John Spates to write their Gears of War series, which is based on a huge best-selling video game franchise. Um, I don't feel quite, I mean, like as Dune and Doctor Strange are also big franchises, so he's not making, like he's not going to like yeah. a blatantly original thing to a, to a franchise. I think, sure. I mean, and no, and, and no disrespect. He has a job, cool, good for this guy. Yeah. Um, with the Gears of War show, I never played Gears of War, so I'm not really invested, but uh, it could be good. I hear it's interesting. It's so I'll check it out. All right, Daniel, have some news about the the uh, the Dwayne Johnson rock. Uh, the rock yes. reportedly wouldn't let the second Shazam movie use characters from Black Adam in the post credit scene. The rock has that kind of yeah. pull at DC. Uh, yeah, I don't know exactly what the deal is with this, uh, but there's a fair amount of mudslinging going on. Zachary Levy has apparently commented on some posts being like, you know, the truth will set you free when it comes out type thing. So right. th- there's something weird going on. But reportedly, uh, the director <laughs> said that they were going to use characters from Black Adam in the post credit scene and The Rock they basically were told they couldn't do it like three days before they were shooting. So they had to come up with a totally different. All right. I mean, I, yeah, I I don't know how is that they wanted Dwayne Johnson and he said, I won't do it, but uh, I'm I'm, I'm not sure of the details. Not even, it was two of the justice society characters. I think Hawkman and someone else who were introduced in black Adam. Okay. So I don't know how that works out in terms of who has stakes in that movie, (laughs) but it was their plan for Shazam. Zachary Levy was he was supposed to have a post credit scene in Black Adam, too. And the uh, reportedly one? again, the we don't know quite with the mudslinging reportedly that the rock over. acts that beat for Superman. So All right. who knows? The rock's throwing his weight around. Uh, yeah, apparently. All right. So, Dan, this is a this is an interesting one. So Siren Hines, who is Mance Raider on Game of Thrones, Rory Kinnear and Tanya Moody have joined the cast of the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power season two. Yeah, uh, new cast members, uh, Kyrian Hines, of course, Mance Raider, Rory Kinnear, I remember as Frankenstein's monster on Penny Dreadful. He was very good. And I don't know Moody, but they're still building it. They're building up the cast. Um, new season. They'll try again. I didn't hate the first season. But I want to morph from it, but I'll check out the second. I hope they can be a spectacular yeah. success. And sorry, Julie, you're right. Yeah. Thanks for keeping us honest. Okay, <laughs> and finally, thank you, Julie. Uh, final one for Daniel. Uh, Daniel. Yes. Chad L. Coleman, who plays Clyden in one of your favorite shows, The Orville, mm-hmm. and creator Seth MacFarlane, have both kind of hinted that 
the Orville might get a fourth season as you and now me because I'm because I'm almost done. Uh, so desperately Yay. want what? What do you think of that? Yeah, I think that's really exciting. Uh, the Orville its third season was great. It finished airing in like September or August, I think. Um, so we've been waiting a long time to see if it'll get a fourth season. And basically, Chad Coleman uh, said it, it, last week that it's basically industry stuff. Disney's trying to make decisions about other projects and can't decide on the Orville until after. And Seth MacFarlane kind of backed that up the next day. So fingers crossed, but they're saying stay optimistic. Chingutos. All right. Yeah. And that is our program. Thank you so much for watching, everybody. Thank you to you, Daniel, and to me, and to Richard, and to Scruffy Thank for you, participating. Yeah. What a good time. <laughs> you know, we do this every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, 3 p.m. on the East Coast, 1 p.m. up in the mountains, and noon up in uh, the West Coast. And we're also available in podcast form. Oh, I could play iTunes wherever podcasts are available. All those places. So until next time, clever outro. See you later. Take care. All. This podcast is brought to you by Fansighted. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.